Hey, it's Dan Hare, and welcome to Liner Notes, revealing chats with Canada's retro music makers. This is part two of my chat with Darby Mills. And if you missed part one, you can check it out at linernotes.ca. Now let's pick up the conversation. So then you came back to Vancouver and you had Plain Jane for a while. I remember that because you played with Alfie and Derry and those guys, right? So right? you were playing the clubs yeah. again. You went out and played the clubs for how long did you do that? Oh, I had a couple different bands. I had Don't Look Down, which was a horn band. Uh, that's the band I put together so we could play Expo. I yeah. said, there's no way Expo's coming through here. It was right after uh, the, the exit from Headpins. And uh, so that was really fun, crazy fun, but fun. Um, yeah, and then, uh, uh, oh, goodness. Yeah, Plain Jane and then... Um, I just remember seeing the promo and I remember you guys were playing around. We, we were doing shows at the, yeah. the same time. That, that would have been early 90s, right? Probably. Uh, prior, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> it was a while many. ago. Uh, yeah, it was prior to the 90s. Or, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I put the Unsung Heroes together and, yes. and uh, uh, my husband had uh, built a recording studio and we went in there and, and started recording some tracks and we're shopping them around. That would have been, yeah, late 90s. Uh, ended up finally getting a, another deal out of uh, Toronto with Warner Music. That was Never Look Back with the Unsung Heroes. Yeah. Uh, the, it was a three-album deal that lasted one album. I sold 35,000 copies, according to them at the time. That wasn't enough to keep me on the label, so they let me go a year in. Hmm. Um, I managed to tour across the country, opening for Lee Aaron yeah. during that time. And then, boom, I was dropped. And um, the album, it ended up getting four singles on radio, but much music and MTV what was, is what was happening then. And the company uh, gave me one video for Cry To Me, but put out radio singles with no videos to support. So I got no MTV or much music support, right? So, yeah. you know, they weren't really helping my project move forward. They were, they were more helping it die. Yeah. But... Yeah, what can you do? Interesting. Uh, well, that, the age of videos too. I mean, now it's not quite as important, but back then I think it was it was a big deal, right? You had to have a video, and, and oh, videos were expensive, and they were. I mean, some people spent hundreds of thousands of dollars making music videos. Yeah, so. yeah. No, if you didn't have music videos, you weren't serious. Yeah. And that's how the radio stations looked at it, and that's what the how the re- <laughs> that's how the record company looked at it. It's like, but you're the one that's supposed to be doing it, <laughs> at least back in those days. Now artists do it all, all by themselves. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, so yeah, yeah um, uh, torn and tattered, whatever. At the end, it was just like, okay, that that record got a year's worth of play. And uh, at that point, I'd been married for 10 years, hadn't had a honeymoon. Uh, I got married in the middle of recording the um, second, first album and didn't didn't get a chance to have a honeymoon. So I said, you know what? Let's have a honeymoon. Let's uh, I'm going to get out of this stupid stupid business and let's make have let's have a family and let's be real yeah. let's be real yeah and uh, yeah got pregnant and ran into bernie aubin and we restarted the headpins without brian or ab and that ran yeah. for a year or two and ab saw that we were we were having some fun yeah. doing that uh and the fact that i wasn't thrown in jail because i had been sued for the headpin debt after I got fired. Yeah, what a, what an amazing uh, sort of a kick, 
kick where it hurts uh, after all of the things that you went through and then the success that you had and then to be sued for it later it must have been a real real blow to you yeah, yeah. well i have to say i was the fall guy more than once yeah but definitely yeah. um but but so yeah by mistake we ended up getting booked as the head pins out in alberta uh shortly after the i i joined the the band that that they were in and yeah. um well i remember that really well because i i had a band hot rails and we played all over the place and mad max played all over the place too and i knew vince because i i knew Ber i've known bernie for decades and i knew his brothers as well because they went to school with my brother so i had a real connection with them because i knew them all and then it just sort of made sense it kind of morphed into well darby's going to come out and sing a few songs and then it kind of i guess the the light bulb went on and said, well, wait a second, we can be the headpins. And then Anthony came in and played guitar, I guess. Is that how that all sort of evolved? Uh, well, kind of, sort of, yeah. Uh, Vince was with us for, for a couple years. Yeah. Um, and then Ab came in and then Tony came in. Uh, it wasn't our idea to be the headpins because I was being sued. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, quite honestly, the first time that that happened and we were billed that way and it was in the paper that way and on the billboard that way, I literally thought that I was going to get carried out in handcuffs. Oh. I, I, I was looking uh, that whole night waiting for the envelope to, Darby Mills, yeah, you've been served. Um, oh. And it didn't happen. And uh, it's like, oh, maybe it's because we were in Alberta. And then we came home and... Someone else uh, ended up using the moniker Headpins, uh, and uh, yeah, 36 years later, we were still using the name The Headpins, yeah. and and they're still using it today, yeah, so right. um, yeah. Well, I, you know, I didn't know that, and uh, that's an amazing story, because I didn't realize you had got so entangled in the, I mean, you always want to be part of the writing credits and part of the record deal, so you get your cut, but in the end, it can turn around on you, and not only do you not get your cut, but you have to pay. <laughs> So, well, and the only one. I was the only one wow. that got sued. Gee, well, th thanks for sharing that. I mean, I, I, I didn't realize that, but you. Uh, it sounds like you you survived it, even though it was kind of odd. It must have been odd playing, thinking that people were going to come in and uh, and uh, possibly arrest you for some for some. Uh, yeah, know. well, that kind of wore off yeah. uh, once it didn't happen in Vancouver. I was thinking, okay, well, perhaps. Perhaps he's just going to let it go. I'm not sure why I didn't get, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't oh. know. I'm glad it didn't. It, it served uh, it served us all well being able to to go out and play those songs for as many years yeah. as I did. And and I'm still doing it in, in the project. Yeah. Um, I kept it down to five songs going, we are not the headpins. Uh, yeah. That's not our job to come out and be the headpins. It's our job to come out and be entertaining and enjoy it. Yeah. So, um, but there was just this endless, endless request every time we played. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Yeah. And uh, the, the guys in the band were like, come on, Darb. Come on. I'm like, no, we're not the headpins. That's their job. They got to do those songs, yeah. right? Yeah. And so they came up with the idea of doing the medley. And, you know, i like, no, no, no. Uh, you know what? Maybe that's not a bad idea. And uh, COVID hit. Yeah. And we lost all our shows for this year. Yeah. And then out of a strange twist in fate, um, some people got in touch with us and asked if we would do a live COVID video for their fundraiser. And um, 
Yeah. Having done research and, and talking to many musicians, you just can't get five people in five different studios to have it sync up to do a live COVID video. Any of yeah. those ones that you see, like the Sammy Hagar ones, they are not live. Yeah. <laughs> those those are very carefully crafted to look live on the spot, but they're not. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's I'd rather see a good good rendition of something than a sloppy one. And so trying to combine five different sources from five different, at least two different time zones anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. it just doesn't work. So uh, it's just some wonderful people stepped up at my request to help us put the medley together as far as a video and um, the, the um, companies, oh, I'm so, I'm so bad at remembering names. Um, uh, three different companies came together and they they let us for a very very wonderful price go in and use their studio covid restrictions yep. all uh, observed um and we did this this wonderful six song 13 minute rendition of headpin uh, memorabilia that we now can play so basically when we do our set which is a 90 plus minute set now and adding the medley, yeah. it's going to be more than that. Uh, but we kind of do all the head pin hits and, and all the songs off the now called flying solo album yeah. used to be called uh, unsung heroes, never look back uh, and some great covers just to keep the night filled with wonderful songs rather than, you know, that's a straggler song, but we got to put it in the set anyway. Yeah. So uh, there, in my opinion, our set's got nothing that's dead weight. It's all just great tunes oh, that bring back, you know, memories. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that because uh, people want to hear the headpin song. I mean, you're the voice of the headpins, right? So you got to hear, you got to hear you singing those songs. And I want to ask you a little bit more about that. So I just want to take one more break. We'll be right back with Darby Mills. Hey, do you want to hear about new episodes before they go live? Then join the Liner Notes VIP community. You'll be able to listen to the weekly podcast before the general public. Plus the episodes have no ads, breaks, or interruptions of any kind. You'll also hear exclusive bonus episodes and be the first to know about upcoming guests. To check out the details and become a member, go to linernotes.ca. Now let's get back to our special guest. All right, welcome back, everybody. We're talking to Darby Mills, the voice of the Headpins and now of the Darby Mills Project. So a couple other questions I wanted to ask you in your uh, interview, you did the, the TELUS documentary, Queen of Scream. I've watched it a few times and, uh, you know, about starting over again at 57 and stuff and you're reflecting on your life. And and one of the uh, one of the things you said in there, you, you said that you lost your mom and that your husband had some, some uh, medical issues. And then you said, it started me on a quest for answers and the need to feel complete. In 2016, I chose to leave a lifetime of work and attempt to find a part of me that was buried deep and covered in fear. Did you find that part? Did you work that out? Oh, man. I, do you ever really, uh, perhaps when you get there, you die. I don't know. It, it's, it is an ongoing quest to uh to figure out who one is who to find oneself um i know that i'm really happy with the progress and the successes we've had since making that decision um yeah. is it been better than anything else i've done no but it's just it's what light do you want to shine on it right i think that getting older and and Losing your parents, uh, at this point it's only one, but, you know, uh, we won't get into my dad, but COVID has really done a number on him. Yeah. And, um, 
yeah, losing your partner, your husband, uh, to be able to pull yourself out of that and, and have the successes we've had with, with this band. When, when I was being told, you'll never do it without the headpins. You'll never. Yeah. You'll never. Uh, nobody cares. I mean, terrible things were said. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's hard sometimes not to believe them. But I just knew how unhappy I was, was with with um where i was yeah and the only person that can change where you is is you yeah right so take the wheel and drive and um yeah we broke some glass ceilings in the last five years and we've i've you know re-released uh the Never Look Back CD under Flying Solo. It was remastered, and uh, we added some bottom end to it that wasn't available to recordings back in the 90s. Um, And uh, just gave it, uh, you know, when you think about the 40 years, the headpin, those 13 headpin songs that I'd been singing nonstop for all those years carried us through all those years as as live entertainers i had very little remorse or second thought in bringing back the album that uh i co-wrote basically 90 percent of it um and and recorded in my husband's studio and you know poured at, at at odds everything i had at the time into i felt little remorse in I'm going to bring that back. I'm going to polish it off and I'm going to give it an opportunity to shine perhaps for if I've got 10 years left as, as a belter. Yeah. Um, Cause that's, I'm, I'm not a singer. I'm a belter. <laughs> if I've got 10 years left in my, my voice to, to do that, um, I feel nothing wrong in giving it, my solo album uh, another run at, yeah. uh, for, for its money. And uh the songs are great. I'm really right. proud of the songs, and I'm really proud of what we do with them live. And um, yeah, well, good for yeah. you. I, I I do appreciate and applaud what you're doing. I, I've made the point before that when you have an original band like like a band like the Headpins, or even even uh, Billy Joel talked about that. You know, your set list is very much the same, right? So you go out and you play the same songs. Basically, if you do 50 shows, the set list is almost the same for those 50 shows. And so I remember. You know, Billy Joel talking about by the end of the tour, he's like, you know, in halfway through the song, he's thinking about what he's going to eat after the show because he's just done the, you know, <laughs> going to have yes. a sandwich or what kind of sandwich he's going to have at the end of the show. So, you know, you you want to sort of spread your wings and play some of the other stuff. And and I thought in the documentary, if uh, if any of our listeners haven't seen the documentary, it's a Telus documentary, Queen of Scream. It's about 22 minutes long, well worth watching. I thought you came across, you were really authentic in what you were saying, the reasons you gave for doing what you did and wanting to reinvent yourself and, and be your own sort of entertainer in person and, and have complete control over your own sort of musical destiny. That stuff all seemed really authentic and came across really well. So I just wanted to, to let you know that from my perspective, from watching it. Thank you. Yeah. And then I, I was going to ask you about resisting playing the headpins tunes because you don't want to be the headpins. And now, of course, they've carried on. They've, they hired another singer and they're out there playing. How does how do you feel about that? Is that just something that uh, is out of your mind or is it how did you feel about that? Um, well, as I mentioned earlier, I've been replaced, I think, four, maybe five times now. Yeah. Um, uh you know what? It's 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 mixed because it was my life. It, uh, it wasn't 
it was the best part of my life and sometimes it was the worst part of my life and and yeah. i gave everything i had um to those songs and um well yeah they they're your I voice i didn't right? walk away cuz i was happy yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> there you go. It, it was it had turned into just a bad situation and yeah. i think um, and it, it was turning me into somebody I didn't want to be or I didn't want to be anymore. And, um, you know, when you're making decisions under stress and, and you yeah. just, you just turn into, you turn into something that, that you don't have to be. And, um, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious, I'm curious about it because you're, you, in a sense, you're competing for the same shows, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a bit odd, right? It, it is. We are competing for the same shows, and and uh, that's that's yeah. But you're the yeah, voice. So I mean, you're the voice of the headpins. I mean, once Brian died, um, he was the the sort of leader guitar player guy. But you're the voice of the headpins, right? So I mean, you're never going to be detached from that because mm. that's you. Yeah. Well, it's been said that that um, that didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> anybody could have done it so uh, you know it's you don't want to hear all the nasty stuff i don't want okay. uh, yeah. i don't want people to walk away not enjoying if they do enjoy the headpins not enjoying the headpins i mean there's yeah. there the, i don't want to do that um yeah. i don't want to i don't want to poo on on my history or theirs um was it is it is it nice to see someone else trying to be me on the stage um they say it's the purest form of flattery um i don't know but i did choose to walk away so I, you yeah. know i have to just bite my tongue and and uh hope that they would be as respectful as well and bite their tongues and and hopefully we can both carry on yeah. no fair enough I, I appreciate that. that's a fair point so i wanted to ask you about protecting your voice being a singer especially for you and i i sing all the time myself really high songs and you have to be like an athlete almost and i was talking to uh, to dave stone we were talking about ronnie james deal and blackmore just rode him like a rented mule and he said he booked four shows in a row like four nights in a row and he's singing at the top of his range like every night and he's like i, I, I can't I can't do that. I mean, the, the voice is one instrument that wears out, right? If the guitar player can almost always play, the drummer can bang on the drums, but the singer, um, Axel Rose used to sit in the, in the van. Like when you re I read Slash's book, he said Axel was just had, was so caught up in trying to be the singer and sing all those money notes every night and thousands of people waiting for you. How do you feel about that? And how have you dealt with that? Um, uh, once again, the boot camp, you know, uh, I got, I got I got the lessons good in boot camp, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I had to sing those notes. I didn't party yeah. with the boys when it was the original headpins. Um, yeah, I was I was at home in the in the hotel room uh, sleeping, and uh, it wasn't until years later that when I realized I'd have to grab a cab home because the band van wasn't taking me there or whatever. It was like you know what I might as well just go out and have a drink with the boys because. Um, I've been, I've spent my life alone out on the road being the one looking after their voice. So, yeah. uh, I eventually just turned into, um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. And thankfully my voice has been very good to me and, and I can count on one hand, the shows I've had to cancel because of my voice. I can count on five hands, the shows that have said, oh, we're canceling because of her voice. And it wasn't my voice. Oh. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. happens. Um, but 
You know, just been lucky. Uh, it's not that I was uh, extremely cautious with it, but as a belter, um, and I hit some pretty high notes too most <laughs> of the nights. Um, yeah, I would say, and, and don't it make you feel? It, I mean, you're yeah, it's it's a belter is some. It's it comes from not your diaphragm. A belter brings up the air from their pelvis. Yeah. You're pushing so much air when you're singing in the manner that that I and those who are belters do that uh, unless your throat is actually closed, you can still kind of put it out, you know. Yeah. And yeah, three shows is my max. Yeah, like in, and, in and a has week? been for many many years in a row. Yeah, okay. um, it, it, that you know, by the end of the third show, your voice will say, "Hey." <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, singing every song, every song, every night. And and even Don't It Make You Feel. I mean, you're singing up to a D or an E in that song, like constantly, right? Like you really, really. Oh, try doing Celebration. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's, uh, so I wanted to ask you about that because uh, so many singers have had issues over the years and, and it's really challenging. I I don't think people, you know, there's always these jokes about the lead singer and stuff, but it really is, uh, it really bothers you when you're singing every song every night and people are sitting in the front row waiting for the money notes. And, and you're not feeling 100% or you've just done three tours and you didn't get enough sleep and it's it's tough. So I, I applaud you for that. You're still belting it out and you still have the pipes. So good for you. Well, trying. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. So so what was your favorite recording experience with your bands? Like, did was Little Mountain, was that the the place to be? Was that the oh, best yeah. experience or maybe in England? Yeah, uh, Of course. Little Mountain was the place to be in Canada. It was after we did the Whitesnake tour and, and uh, they... Uh, Coverdale got a chance to yak with McLeod that they came over and, and recorded their next album at Little Mountain, right? Um, yeah. um, um, but you're right. Yeah, Eel Pie was fabulous. Yeah. Um, Ridge Farm uh, was fabulous. The, the people that came to record with me there was, uh, was a, you know, Tony Levin. I mean, he's God's bass yeah. player. But yeah. um uh, you know, the, the studio isn't a fabulous place. The, the studios work. <laughs> the yeah. studio is put on the headphones and, uh, you know, embarrassing. I didn't hit it again. What do you mean? <laughs> it's work. And uh, yeah. people that don't realize and come in and, and get an opportunity to sit in a studio and they're like, wow. I've heard that line now 75 times. It's like, yeah, and yeah. you're going to hear it another 175 before it's done <laughs> right type thing. So it's a job. Uh, yeah. Some people will love yeah. it because it's a creative uh, situation for them. Um, and there are moments where I've had that feeling as well. But n- normally it's like you're under pressure to deliver uh, your best so yeah. it's um yeah it's it's the uh, it's the olympics of music getting into the studio yeah i find it kind of an artificial environment because if you're a live entertainer you want to get up and sing and belt it out and play to people right in the studio it's kind of artificial so you have to kind of manufacture that live vibe in the context of an artificial kind of environment right no do it again try it again darby and it's like yeah okay for the 50, 50th time or whatever, real picky uh, producers and stuff wanting to get the best stuff, right? Uh, yeah, so. exactly. Well, Michael McDonald, I, I, he was talking about doing the, the background vocals in Peg when they were recording that. And he, I think he spent several days on it. He said, I did, had no idea how many ways you could pronounce a syllable. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, there, <laughs> there are definitely. And have a whole discussion about yeah. it too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, for sure. Yeah. So then, so the touring, like how many, you don't do a lot of live show. Well, 2020 doesn't count because that's been a complete train wreck, but you're, you're doing how many live shows a year are you doing now? Do you plan on doing like in 2021? I, I, I plan on doing a whole lot more than I'll probably end up doing, but back for the past 10 years that I was, uh, with the headpins, the amount of shows and uh, festivals and stuff like that that we're booking classic rock, we're slowly just, you know, we're doing 90s or, or country or, you know, classic rock has um, has gone through its roller coaster ride of popularity. And yeah. um, so we would, 15 shows would be a good year. Okay. Yeah. Right. And yeah. the last five years, we this <laughs> 2020, I had just worked my way back up to not with all the contracts signed, but I had enough contracts on the table that I was starting to think I was going to be able to match those numbers. And uh, yeah. of course, kaboom. Right. Yeah. So it, it, at the caliber of player or act that I am in at this point and where I've come from the last 40 some odd years, which is classic rock arena rock bands. Um, you know, if you're doing 20 shows a year, you're winning big time. Yeah. And that's kind of sad when you think of it. Right. But, um, that's, that's what it is. And then you hit those classic rock festivals and the, then the casinos, which slowly started not booking classic rock acts too. So when you think of it, my crowd, uh, our crowd, if you're from my yeah. era, which you yeah, are, um, we're over 50, pushing 60, pushing 70. Yeah. How many of those people are going to go out four or five times a month or a week or, or <laughs> every yeah. day? Like in the 80s, everybody went out every day. That, so it's our our clientele, our, our, our people are slowly falling yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a shifting landscape. There's no doubt about it. I, I think the mm -hmm. demographic is shifting and stuff too. The festivals have been popular, but then yeah, I guess the alternative is you don't want to tour for three months or six months or. Um, uh, well, you can't. No, and this, yeah, you can't. Not not acts. Uh, I mean, there are larger acts that do that, but acts of like I said of my caliber and the classic rock caliber, Canadian classic rock caliber, yeah. in the states you might be able to, but here in Canada, and it's like going across the border is not an easy. Feet. Yeah. Did you guys, uh, and did you have any success? Did you have any success in the States? Did you tour in the U.S. at all? Oh yeah, we did. We had a, <laughs> yeah, another, another disaster strike us down, um, uh, on the Bible belts. We were on tour with Quiet Riot Saga and, uh, Headpins. And we had, I think it was six weeks booked right across the States and on our fourth show, um, and these were massive arenas we were playing, coliseums. Yeah. The buses were, were they, they were the, the venues were so big the buses were parked inside the venues. Wow. Um, and on I think it was our fourth show, third or fourth show, um, arenas full. We're waiting for our five minute stage call, and um, the uh, our road manager says everybody grab your stuff get on the bus now fast go no go 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 now 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 and it's like what that what 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 so we did uh, you know grab grabbed a beer or whatever out of the tray and onto the bus going what the hell yeah. and it turned out that the the boys had had a huge fight in um, quiet riot oh. uh, early that morning and broke up so the tour was off oh wow 
So I can imagine what might have happened to us or for us had we gone across the states on that tour. Yeah. So instead, we spent some time in Florida, uh, managed to hook up with Eddie Money, and did about four or five shows up the West Coast, even though we were on the East Coast, yeah. bust over, um, got those dates. And by the time that mini tour ended, we had landed the uh, Whitesnake tour over in Europe. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, that's always the goal, right? In Canada, you want to break in the States. If you can get a half a dozen hits in the States, you're, you're off to the races, right? And, you get one hit in the States, yeah. you're off the races. Yeah. That's a, Who gets a half a dozen, you well, know? Well, not many. I mean, Loverboy yeah. would, would have got a few, right? Some of the Brian Adams, the, some of those artists. But, I mean, that's always the goal. When you talk to Canadian artists, they go, well, we want yeah. to break in the okay, States. So that's but, two. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the guess who. I mean, there, there's a few, but not many. I mean, even Chilliwack. <laughs> Chilliwack got a couple, right? I think Gone, Gone, Gone and and uh, the other one, I forget. But um, but yeah, really challenging thing to do. So so let me ask you, looking back on your career, what would you change if, if you could go back and if you knew then what you know now, um, what would you change about your career and the course of your career and how it was handled? Would you do things differently? <laughs> um, I, yes, no, I don't know. Um, things, things, good things happened, bad things happened. If I wasn't in a particular area at one particular point in time, the good thing might not have happened. So uh, um, I think maybe I'd have been a little bit wiser with contracts, but even still, like I mentioned, yeah. that first contract I signed, I had no choice. Had I not signed I got that, that contract, I wouldn't be talking with you today. Yeah, fair enough. No, yeah. it was a it was a bogus contract, right? So, yeah. um it's a ride you get on you hold on you do your best <laughs> you know yep. you dig it when you can <laughs> and uh you know the, yeah no that's fair lucky and strong hopefully survive yeah yeah because you got to take the the good with the bad and you're right i mean if they put a contract in front of you basically it's either you're going to move forward with your career going to make you a star or you can go back to you know your club band and good good luck on you have a good life right which there aren't even any club bands anymore, so that doesn't exist. There's there it go. just it's there is no market anymore, yeah. except for streaming, and you don't make any money on streaming. So once again, the big guy gets the money, and uh, everybody else has to just smile and yeah. move on. Well, the way I look at it is the music business has always been a challenge, right? So we just have to sort of adjust to the challenge. And I guess the younger people, that's what they're doing. For, for the older set, you just sort of make, make the best you can for as long as you can and, and then let the chips fall where they may, right? Yeah. So, so tell me, what, what is something about you that people wouldn't know? That you're that you're comfortable sharing. I know you were you're into martial arts. You you did taekwondo. I I saw that in one of your interviews. Uh, yep. Yeah, um, both myself and my two sons are both black belts in in taekwondo. Cool. I ended up teaching for approximately nine years, and that was a very nice, a, a wonderful experience. But once again, it was a ride down somebody else's journey. And at the end, I'm like, I'm spending all my time uh, and weekends and you know, building up, helping to build up your wonderful school. And in the meantime, I'm not getting anywhere and this isn't my school. So yeah. uh, it was like, yeah, it was, it's, it was time to, um, yeah, time to, yeah. to get real with myself. And then that's, that's when I lost my mom and basically my husband. So yeah, everything just kind of, <laughs> yeah, everything just yeah. kind of went bang, 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 uh, you know, survive 
Well, you're a survivor. I mean, that's that that speaks well of you, and to and to not be bitter about it at the end. I hope hopefully you're uh, you've you've come to some kind of a place of contentment with the, the you know it is what it is. It was what it was, and and you're living your life and enjoying yourself. So I I wish that the best for you in that for sure. And and also you make jewelry. Is that right? You, you I do. Uh, yeah. Well, tell me about that. Uh, just something that started. I was a rock hound as a child. And, um, yeah, right around the time my mom passed and, and I was caring for my husband at home, I was cleaning out stuff and, and making room for whatever and, um, came, came across an old box of rocks that I'd collected as a child and made a necklace out of one of them and sent it to a girlfriend and she's like, Oh, I love it. You know, and then made one for another girlfriend. And, uh, here we are seven years later, I'm about 500 pieces in. So, Oh, wow. Oh, very nice. Yeah. That's cool. So, so tell me what's your bucket list? What, what, what things do you need to do before you, uh, before you can't do it anymore? Have you got a list of things? (laughs) Um, Oh, uh, I, I don't, just to, to be able to keep going as long as I can. I've, I've put together a local band here, um, knowing that one day that belter is going to is is going to disappear, yeah. and seen as my whole life has wrapped up as an entertainer, uh, rather than retraining or going to work at at Walmart, why don't I figure out how to be a singer in my seventies? And uh, so this is new project is called press play and uh i put it together with some of the okanagan's finest music some of canada's finest musicians that all live here in the okanagan nice. and uh we're doing 60s and 70s and early 80s covers nice. that people are gonna go what <laughs> i haven't heard that for how long i loved that song yeah. when i was 15 or 14 or 12 so nice. um and in my opinion, if next year is what it's looking like it's going to be, which is we'll be lucky to get to the 50 sh- seater shows again, um, this band will be able to play those shows and actually be able to put some money in their pocket when we're done because yeah. we don't have to charge for flights and we don't have to charge for rental vehicles and we don't have to charge, uh, you know, I don't have to pay somebody to be gone for three days to do one show. We're all from the Okanagan and uh, we're going to base it on Okanagan uh, gigs uh, through here, which I know that there's some a lot of private entities that throw shows that pay really good money for really yeah. big artists. So we're going to slide in on that. Oh, good, good for you. I mean, and and the fact that you're going to keep keep going. You're, are you going to record some more music? Is that in the offing? I'm in the midst of uh, a new single right now with uh, with people um, uh, that aren't in the the project with me. They're uh, most of them are out in Ontario, yeah. and uh, we're just waiting for the right time. Uh, the industry and the world right now, the way it works. Uh, you know, we spent that time and energy and money putting the um, the uh, medley together, and I was so pleased that we actually had seven days of activity on it once we released it. Um, yeah. That's massive for for an act of our caliber uh, and our um, yeah. uh, p- popularity, for lack of a better yeah. word, yeah. Uh, a more sophisticated word. Um, 
And so it's like, I mean, do I want to spend all this time and energy putting this song out right now or, uh, yeah, releasing it at such a time where we'd be lucky to get that seven days on it? Why don't we hold off and release it when we know we're going to get back to work, even though it's not a project song? Yeah. But I think it's a it's um, more responsible and will get more traction in the business head that you have to wear now. Everybody has to be a promoter, uh, an educator, uh, an entertainer, uh, a businessman. Um, and so my promotion head says, why put it out now? Why don't you wait until we're back in the saddle and you can release that as a new material from Darby Mills. Uh, come and see the project. They will be playing it, which we will, yeah. uh, which gives if radio was ever to give us some help, which radio doesn't help people like me, artists like me, not uh, not new radio anyway, they play, and, and classic radio plays the classics. They have no intent on playing something new from me. So you're on your own, right? right? Yeah. So good, good point. You, good point. Yeah, you have to be pretty wise and 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 time. You know, make sure your footing is uh, as 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 placed as as adequately or as correctly as possible um hopefully not adequate hopefully it's uh racing up that hill um but anyway so yeah there's there is new stuff coming is there is a lot of new stuff no uh i fully intend on continuing to um make each song uh off the flying solo album something for people to listen to as an individual track because that's what music is today individual yeah. tracks yeah no that's a fair point so i just appreciate the fact that you're staying active and staying busy and you've got plans for the next 5 10 15 years and that's really nice to hear and i really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today and uh, and sharing some of the insights and being forthcoming with the the things that you shared and that so i i really do appreciate it darby Oh, my pleasure and all the best to you and thanks for yeah. connecting. It seems to be what musicians are doing these days. <laughs> yeah, well, fair <laughs> point. Yeah. <laughs> Many thanks to Darby Mills for being part of the Liner Notes podcast and sharing some insights from her incredible experiences in the music business. Uh, more information is available at darbymills.com. Check it out. The great website, lots of information on there. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and invite you to subscribe to it and share it on social media so others can enjoy it as well. You can also become a member if you'd like notifications and other insider information and perks. We'd love to have you on board. We also invite you to listen to Dusty Discs Radio at DustyDiscsRadio.com Tuesdays and Thursdays to hear music from the Canadian artists you are hearing on this show. Until next time, I'm Dan Hare.